that we're going to share later. I wanted, as I always try, I'm going to try this evening, start off with a thought to prepare our hearts. I want to read, well, actually, I'm going to ask you a question. In the Garden of Eden, God revealed a rule. To who did he reveal this rule to not eat of the tree of knowledge of life and death? What is it? Adam. And? Eve. So I want you to open Genesis chapter 2. I want to read verse 17. It's the very words. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that you eat, what will happen? You'll surely die. Who is he speaking with? Adam. Eve did not yet exist. Let's go down to chapter 3. Verse 3. This is Eve speaking, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. I want to reveal something, an interesting thought here. God spoke directly with Adam, and Eve received it as from God. Who conveyed this which God revealed to Adam before Eve existed? Adam. How? He shared the word of God with Eve. The rules that God conveyed, he shared with Eve, and she accepted it as from God. Not from Adam. She doesn't say, Adam told me, as the serpent approached her and tempted her. She did not say that, I recall when I had fellowship with Adam, he revealed to me that I should not. She says, God told me. It's interesting. So my next thought, I just want you to settle on your heart. When they fell and they ate of the fruit and they saw their eyes were opened, that they were naked. I want to read verse 7, chapter 3, verse 7, Genesis. Open it, please. Take a look. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons and wait do not move on what's the next thing that happened does anybody know they felt shame and then they became afraid what were they afraid of god Fear entered them. What, would, what was the thing that revealed to them that there was this moment that happened in the Garden of Eden. They heard something. What, was, what did they hear? The voice, 
Not footsteps, not the presence of the Lord coming. The vo- Listen, let's look at verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord, and what were they afraid of? God walking in the garden. He was walking there, but they heard the voice of the Lord in the cool of day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees. And the Lord God called unto Adam, and he said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden. And what was he afraid of? And I was afraid. Not your footsteps. When we fall, when we stagger, and we sin, isn't it interesting that we distance ourselves as far away from the word as possible? We're afraid. We're afraid. So think of this thought. Adam conveyed the rules and everything that God passed on to him. Eve accepted it as from God, not from a man, even though he was a man. The word of God was transferred from a man, but was received from God. Something's going to happen in this place. You'll see a mere man, and he's going to transfer something to you. If you look at him and you see him as a man, you will not receive the word of God. He is a mere man. I am a mere man. But what will be conveyed, if you're open and your heart is prepared, is you'll receive the power of God. Prepare your heart. I want to read one more thought with you. An interesting thought. Let's look at Luke. Chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. This is a moment where the disciples were sent out and Jesus conveyed something to his apostles and they received something from Jesus and they went out with what they received. Jesus, remember, he was the embodiment, he was in the body of man. He conveyed, and he says, everything you hear is of the Father. He doesn't say, everything you hear is from Jesus. Everything you hear is from me. Everywhere that you look, he reflects the essence and everything is God. And when he conveyed this truth to his apostles, and he empowered them with his name, with his truth, And he sent them out. They left. And what happened? They came back and they were marveling and surprised. And they said, Jesus, Jesus, even the spirits listen to us by your authority, by your name. And he says, don't marvel. What should we marvel about? Does anybody know? Don't marvel about this amazing thing that you're acknowledging. It's almost like he lowers this. Think about this. You go out, you encounter something that seems like it's powerful, and the power that Jesus will give you and the truth that he will pass on to you 
it makes this thing weak and useless. Something that you should be afraid of, don't be afraid. The power that Jesus passes on to you, he defeated everything on the cross. Amen? Everything. And something interesting that was conveyed here, I want you to listen to these words. And I just want this to seed into your heart before we step forward to the message. We're going to pray that the Lord bless the service, that the Lord prepare our hearts, because we're going to receive something not from a man, but it will be the Word of God. Receive it like the Word of God. Don't stand in its way. Let it seed deep, and you'll receive the power of God, not from a man. Okay? Prepare your heart. I want to read words that, what does it say? Verse 16. Verse 16. He that hears you, who do, we, who do they hear? He, me. Interesting. Not men. He that hears you, he's passed something onto them. And what's happening? They're passing it on. And he says, he that hears you will hear me. And you will pass on what? The power of God. You will. It's amazing to me this message right here. Next. What's he saying next? And he that rejects you rejects me and rejects my word. What else? And he that rejects me rejects him that sent me. I want you to think about this thought. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God passed on a word to Adam. He passed it on to Eve. Eve received it from God, not from Adam. And then she stood and a serpent approached her. And he tempted her. And the next thing that happened, she took the twisting of the word of God that was received from God. And she wanted something, and she allowed it to be twisted. And then what happened? Because she wanted something, she allowed for this truth that she heard from God to be twisted to enable her to receive something that she wanted. And what did she lose? She rejected the word of God. She something that was absolutely true, and she knew, and she stood before this... Satan, the serpent that deceived her and she accepted because she wanted something more. She lost the power of God. I want you to think about that. The things around you are presented to us and they look like they're good. And sometimes we want them. Do you think about something you want? Satan will twist things that you know in the truth, twist it. And he will steal the power of God from you and you reject it. Let me read these words again, verse 16. He that hears, what? You, hears me, and he that rejects, 
It's also applicable to us. When we hear the word of God and we cannot accept it even though we hear it and we know it, that it is true, but we want something more, it becomes twisted. We twist it. We allow it to be twisted and it is robbed from us and we lose the power of God. Do you want to lose it? I want you to ask yourself that question. Do you see something that stands before you? Think, look deep into your heart. It can be many things that you may want and will rob you of the power of God. What is the power of God? Jesus says, I'm going to send you out and you will do amazing things. Amazing. You will be empowered. You will be changed forever. You will marvel as you go forward. And I send you and you will go. And they went and they came back and they marveled. And then I want to read the last word, the last spot, and then we're going to pray. They come back and they marvel. And I want to read this one verse. Listen carefully to this. So powerful. They're marveling. They saw this amazing thing. Jesus empowered them with his word, with his name. And let's read verse 20. Look, look very carefully. Do not rejoice in what? The spirits, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice in what? That your names are written in heaven. What do you rejoice? What are you seeking? What is the thing that's in the way for you to have your name there? Is there something that's stealing and robbing this power from you? The word of God. I want you to think about that tonight. Before you, this man stands before you and he will pass on the word of God. It's not coming from him. I want you to hear it. It is the power of God. Let us stand. We're going to ask for the Lord to be in this presence, in this place. He is not far from every single one of you. Remember that. We read that at the very beginning of this camp. He's beside every single one of you. He's amongst all of us. He is with us tonight. Amen? Amen. Let us ask the Lord to bless the service. Слава тебе, Господь. Мы благодарим тебя за вот эту возможность что мы можем прийти сюда, как дети Твои, услышать Слово Твое. Непростые слова человеческие, Господь, непростые слова, но те слова, Господь, которые может разорвать цепи дьявольские, Господь, мы благодарим Тебя. И молим Тебя, Господь, благослови это служение. Благослови, пусть Твоя рука. Let your hand be upon this service, Lord. Prepare every heart, every vessel here. Let us know that your presence is beside every single vessel and you care for every single vessel. And how do we know, Lord Jesus? Because you shed your blood for me. 
I want every single one of you to say, you shed your blood for me, Jesus. We thank you. Мы благодарим тебя, Господь. И мы молим, благослови эти слова, которые будут происходить от этого места. Bless these words that will be passed from this spot, from a mere man, but will be received as the power of God. Fill him with the Holy Spirit. Anoint his lips with your oil, Lord Jesus, and let it be received, not from him, but from you, fully you, Lord Jesus. We ask that you bless all these men that will stand before this pulpit. We ask that you bless the service of those that will sing. Let their lips cry out to you and praise you, Lord Jesus, as you deserve, and let us together Praise your name because you are worthy. Not because we'll see things broken, changed, ripped apart, but because our names are written in heaven, Jesus. Let us rejoice that our names are in this eternal place. Even though we fear death, we should not fear it because our names are in this eternal place. Because of you, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you. Let us rejoice in this. Oh, Jesus, мы благодарим Тебя. Мы благодарим Тебя, Господь. Благослови всех нас. И вместе, чтобы мы стали едины. Let us become one in this place. Because you said, I am one and they are one in me. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Because you join us together. And in all things, let your name be praised. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Slava Bogu, Maladyoz. How's everybody doing? You still have energy left? Okay. Well, 10 years ago, I was doing exactly the same thing you are doing today. So, <laughs> But now I'm just uh, watching from the sidelines. Uh, but to everything, there is a time and a place. Amen. So you have to cherish this time because uh, God knows when uh, we will get this opportunity to be again together in this atmosphere, in this place. As I just told my kids that you go play in the uh, playground because tomorrow we're taking off and they're like, already? I'm like, this time flies, so we have to probably start packing in the morning and then we'll be on our way to our regular life or regular day-to-day -day life and that's um, hopefully the message of this camp will stay with you the uh, word of god will help you continue on and uh, be victorious in your lives in your walk with god so uh, to, uh, tonight i just want to share a, a short message and um, when i Usually when I walk in the buildings, I look, if you looked at the schedule, it says uh, that today, today, tonight's topic is uh, function. And usually when I walk in, in buildings, I look how they function, because uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, I do a structural design, so this is something that will be land on my desk if I have to do it. I haven't done one like this, but... I was curious to look how it how it all works together, and I uh, I thought I would share a couple lessons from uh, this because they're good display to to show. 
And uh, yeah, I know Brother Dennis, he, some people see names, other colors, others, everybody probably sees their own specifics in each. But uh, f uh, this building is functioning where, and it's uh, housing all of us. But each one of these trusses kind of has its own job. It supports its own, own weight. And probably you looked like, well, there's a lot of members there, and you probably don't have, uh, or maybe some of you know what they're doing. And uh, the lesson that I want to point out, probably you now you're gonna you're gonna know uh, going on. You can tell other friends that you know how they work. You see these lateral braces, not the main truss, but these uh, lateral braces. Those ones are not doing anything. They're not supporting any weight. All they're doing is keeping the main truss when there's a lot of load on, on the building, it's keeping the main truss straight. Because if those these lateral members were not there, the main truss can buckle out of plane and the whole build, the whole roof can collapse. And this ones they're just keeping the main trusses in line so they can achieve their full potential. And I thought that sometimes God in our lives puts people, circumstances, and other things to keep us in line, to keep us in, in, on the right path for us to achieve our full potential in life. Because there, there's a lot of members, and then if you were to take any of the members out of this trust, you will become unstable. So if anybody asks you to draw a trust, as long as you have triangles, you're good. If you have a square, your trust is not good. So if anybody asks you, like, if you look everywhere, you see triangles. That's a stable truss. So uh, this it's, uh, can be used for trinities. God, Father, and the Holy Spirit is a full triangle. And this, well, uh, this is kind of just like my introduction for you. Now you know, as, as long as we all do our, our job, everybody, everything will function properly. God put us in each, each one of us in their place. And as long as we're doing our job in that place that God placed us, everything will function properly and we're going to be useful for the glory of God. And one, uh, one uh, uh, it's actually be half a verse from the Bible I want to read and then just talk a little more about it. It's uh, in Acts chapter... 13, uh, and it'll be verse 36, just the first half of the verse. And maybe some of you who were uh, paid attention to this, other maybe kind of you were just reading, didn't pay much attention, but I want to focus our attention on the first half of this verse that Paul is, uh, is uh, uh, talking here. Uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 36. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation. And I want to point these two things out of this context. David served the purpose of God. Not his own purpose. Not his own ambition. Not his own desires. 
not his own goals. He has served the purpose of God. And when did he do that? In his own generation. We don't know, we can't be, we, we can't go back and we can't go ahead. But this is the time, the place, and the generation that God placed us. And if we, we're going to take advantage of this, if we're going to let God use us for his glory, for his purpose, because God has a purpose with each one of us. And if we allow God to use us for his glory, for his purpose, we're going to only look back and say, God, you did amazing things. You did amazing things. I wouldn't even thought about where I, I wouldn't even imagine this. But you only look back and you say, God, I thank you that you were with me. You guided me. You kept me in line. You showed me your way. And if we, if we go back from the beginning and we look at all the heroes of the Bible, we see that each one of them, when the moment came up, they, were, they did God's purpose. We look at Joseph. A lot of things in his life didn't make sense at the time. A lot of things probably he questioned about, like, why? But he remained faithful. And God had a purpose with him. God had a purpose to save the entire family of his father, the entire household of his father. And he fulfilled that purpose. He was, he, because he remained faithful, God was able to fulfill his, his purpose to save Jacob and his, uh, and his family from that famine that was going on. Why? Because one person remained faithful. One person said, God, I'm going to remain faithful to you. No matter what happens around me, no matter if my brothers are going to sell me, no matter if I get thrown in jail for, for nothing, God, I remain faithful because I know you have a greater purpose for me. And I want to be that vessel. And the, we're going to hear, we heard last night that, uh, about the vessel, that if we allow God to model us and to use us, and that's my calling for each and one of you, to let God use us. And we go on and read all the prophets, that each one of them had their own story, had their own circumstances, had their own struggles, had their own uh, uh, life-changing events. But each one of them served God, God's purpose in his own generation. David only had one chance to, uh, to fight Goliath. We, we don't know if we'll get the, a second chance at something in life. We don't know if we're going to... David never got, got the second chance to fight a second Goliath. But that, when he had that chance, he stood up and he said, I'm going to fight in the name of the Lord. When he had that chance, he was ready for God to use him for his purpose, for his glory. And this is the desire of my heart, that we all are ready and when God calls on us, and when God, God wants to use us, we're ready to serve his purpose in our own generation. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know if, how long God will allow us to stay on this earth, or what will happen. 
But if each one of us remains faithful, if each one of us has this desire, this purpose in life, God, I don't want to serve myself. I don't want to serve my own ambitions, my own desires. I want to serve for your purpose. And a lot of time we might say, well, I don't know what's God's purpose. I don't know what God, it's, it does, it's not going to show in a miracle. Every day you start, even starts with small things, starts with small things. If you're faithful in small things, God will give you bigger tasks. God will increase your task and will give you more and more to do. But we have to be faithful in the small ones. Because if we're not faithful in these small little things, God will choose somebody else. Because you were not faithful in that little, little thing that you were assigned to do. Maybe it wasn't something significant. But at that time, at that place, maybe you, you were just, just had to be in that place and do that little thing. That's all it was asked from you. It may be a, a small and significant thing, but if that's all it's asked, do it faithfully. Do it as you do it for God. And God seeing that will give you bigger and bigger. God will guide you and allow you to do even greater things for his glory. And we, we go on. We see all the apostles. They, were not, they, they didn't live forever. They only had a short amount of time to do God's calling for them. And they had to do it as fast as they could. Because one thing that we, we can get back, it's time. Time flies very fast. And if we do not take advantage of every single opportunity that God gives us, we don't know if we're going to get those opportunities back again. So that's why it's important. Every opportunity that we get, Every little may, it may seem insignificant at the time, but if we allow God to use us for his purpose, we're going to only look back and say, I, I, uh, I, with God, I was able to, to have a wonderful life. Only looking back, you'll be able, and you can ask your parents, you can ask your, uh, a lot of your, um, and even this is, uh, this is the, probably the prime time of your life. You ask your parents, you ask your grandparents, and a lot of things that they will uh, recall and retell you is what they did when they were young. A lot of stories, if you pay attention to the older generation, a lot of the stories that they tell, a lot of the things that they tell, it's when I was young, I did this, this, and this. When I was younger, I did this. Rarely they tell what they are doing now. But they will like, they go back and say that's kind of and some of them may may say I sh I should have done more when I was young, and this is the time of your life because if you look at all most of the heroes of the Bible, when they did all those great things, it's mostly when they were young, mostly when they were young and full of energy, God used them the most, and this is your time. Don't waste it. Maybe this is your time that God wants you to use fully for his glory. Don't waste it on minor things. Don't waste it on things that are not of value. Do it, live your life for the purpose of God's glory in your own generation. That's where you are right now, in school, at work, wherever circumstances you are, in, in that place, yeah, among your people, 
do it at, the, at this time. And you'll see great things, great things that God will work in your life. And now I would like to all stand up or maybe bow on our knees and let's pray to God. Молодежь, друзья, братья и сестры, мир Божий вам. Большой привилегией для меня здесь быть и стоять на этом месте. Я понимаю, что чтобы Господь через меня что-то проговорил, вы на меня смотрите. Моя молитва, чтобы вы сегодня могли не смотреть на этого сломанного человека, который полный недостатков, но услышали то, что Господь хочет сказать вашему сердцу сегодня. I'd like you guys today to, it's a great and a grave responsibility to stand before you in view of what's been said, that uh, if you reject what I say because of me, you reject God's word. And um, I pray that what I say will go through me and you won't see anything and you will just hear God's voice. You'll hear God's voice and what God wants to say to us today. I was taken uh, a little bit by surprise by um, the sermons that came before me. What I mean by by surprise is I never even thought about some of the things that they mentioned. Could you imagine being able to hear God's voice in the garden? God came into your room or where you live or in your workplace and you recognize that God is speaking and you say, oh, I know that voice. I know that voice. And yesterday we spoke, we heard that if we are unable to hear God's voice, if we are unable to learn God's language, the word of God will not have power in our lives and we will never land on the wheel, on God's wheel, to become a vessel, to become a man or a woman of God, to be used by God. And it's my prayer for us today, as it was yesterday, that we take a serious x-ray of our life in terms of how we read scripture. There's a scripture that I love, and I know that many uh, youth have heard me speak on this and use this example numerous times in our church. David says in Psalm 119, 125, pardon me, 126 and 127. Psalm 119, 126 and 127. He says, Pardon me, 127, 128. <laughs> Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. When David read scripture, he read God's commandments. He fell in love so much so that gold and fine gold and much fine gold paled in comparison to what he was hearing from God through his commandments. And my prayer for all of us today is, um, we could reevaluate what we value in life. And we could see what we would trade for the Word of God. I know from my heart, and for many sitting here, if somebody was to place, well, we don't really understand gold because we don't use gold today. But if somebody was to put a stack of thousands, let's say about that high, green bills, $1,000 bills, I'd say, you know, 10, maybe 20, maybe $30,000, and say, you choose. Would you rather hear the voice of God, or would you rather have one of these every day? on the table and you could use at your leisure whatever you want. You start to think a little bit about what value your 
heart and your life places on what God says and what God wants in your life. My hope is that when we hear the voice of God and we taste how good God is and we hunger for God and we see that God can fill everything, we say there's nothing that can replace it. Not a thousands, not a millions, nothing. That is pales comparison. What God gives to the man and the woman that want to become a vessel for the Lord. Today we're going to see uh, some of the steps, some of the steps that we need to take in order for us to become vessels of God. I don't know if you've noticed uh, potters. I, I like to watch, I, I follow uh, uh, potters on Instagram because I, I love to see out of this lump of, a lump of nothing, they make all kinds of wonderful stuff and they do these fast forward videos and whoop, you see this beautiful vase come up from a lump of nothing. But what really strikes me what really strikes me about this picture is how dirty the potter is. How dirty he is. There's no, and you look at most of the potters, they have aprons, they have their, in, their elbows a lot of times in whatever they need to be in. And it doesn't look pretty, but their end result looks amazing. It looks amazing. And so when we cross-section, if we were to freeze frame the process of a vessel in any given form, we can say, well, there's nothing to talk about. Really, that's nothing. It doesn't even look like anything yet. And a lot of times the, the, the potter will take it and he'll stretch it into a shape that doesn't look beautiful. But then he reforms it and he massages it. And it moves all over the place. And at the end, it forms something that he had in his mind. And he knows exactly how to move it and how much and how much the clay can take. So today, we want to talk, I want to talk to you about a vessel's purpose. A vessel's purpose, because <clears throat> if there's no purpose to your vessel, if there's no purpose to what you're being made into, really, we don't even have a conversation. We don't. And for us, to be used by God for a purpose is probably the central theme of our life, or it should, be, should become the central theme of our life. We order the next slide, please. <clears throat> so this is one of very, 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 very many pictures. And it shows just the magnitude of possibilities that can be made out of a lump of clay. The size, the shape, they're all part of the function and purpose of the vessel. I'm not going to eat cereal out of that one in the top right. It just, mm -hmm. It's not going to work. right? And I'm not going to put flowers in that plate. Each one of these serves a specific purpose, and it brings joy to those people that take that vase, especially those people that have a purpose and they're using it for a specific purpose. Next slide. So many possibilities. And this is three pictures of millions and millions and millions and millions. Each different. Each different. None of them exactly the same. Different colors, different shapes. Next slide, please. <clears throat> So, the potter decides to mold that lump of clay that we saw yesterday. He cleanses it, and he wants to make something out of it. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I question. I say, God, are you sure you know what you're doing? What if you make something that I don't like? What, what if you make some bucket out of me and I, that's not what I want to be. I want to be something great. I want to be something beautiful. I want something people will look at and say, wow, look at that vessel. Do you trust his taste? When God leads you to something or to do something, do you trust him that he knows exactly what he's doing? His intents. 
Why is he doing what he's doing? Are we willing to trust that God is doing exactly what needs to be done and his ability? I mean, you look on Instagram or on YouTube, there's a lot of really poor potters probably. I don't recognize them. They're all good to me. But there are some that are amazing. And the work that they do is worth literally thousands, some of it millions, because of their ability to make something that is extraordinary. And if we talk about God's ability, extraordinary doesn't even begin to describe what God is capable of. Next slide, please. So... The absolute first step after we've been cleansed. And the goal of yesterday's was to land on the wheel. And there's a certain process that happens before that clay actually lands on the wheel. Normally it's stored in a plastic container nowadays, but before it was some sort of plastic or cellophane because it needs to remain hydrated. And we know that water, water is scripture. It's scripture as we learned yesterday. If the clay is left out in the sun, it will dry rock hard again. And it will need to go through the process over and the process that we talked about yesterday. What the potter does is he takes that clay that's been sitting for a little while and he starts to massage it again to make sure that there's no dry spots, no lumps, and he will re-massage it and he'll keep going until he's, he's convinced that that uh, piece of clay is soft enough and throughout it's the same consistency. And then what he does is he puts some, we'll see this at the end, I've got a short video of this old guy building, making a whole pot so it'll all sort of come together. But what he does is he puts a little bit of water on the wheel, he starts the wheel up, and he takes this piece of clay and he just slams it down onto the wheel. And at first, if he doesn't land it right in the middle of the wheel, it starts wobbling, 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 wobbling. And what he does is he grabs the clay and he starts to form it, he pushes it, so that it starts to move right into the center and it starts to move centrally in, on, on the wheel. He pushes it. He pushes it, he forms it, he bends it so that it moves to the center of the wheel. Next slide, please. If there's no center, there will be no vessel. I don't know if any of you have ever tried doing pottery. You'll see a video at the end, and the guy just goes, Rip, and he makes it in the center. I've tried it before. It takes a long time. To try and get that thing to sit in the center, you move it one way and it moves the other way. And the whole thing's moving like this. And sometimes you have to just turn the thing off, move it to where you think it's going to be, and then fire it up again and see if you're close. It's no small task to center that piece of clay on the wheel. But without it being centered, nothing will happen. Because as he starts working on it, it starts to wobble. He can't even gauge what to do and to form it. It's absolutely essential for anything of worth to be, that clay to be centered on the center of the wheel in order for it to become a vessel of worth. So, the more centered that piece of clay is, the greater the possibility of the vessel. If there's a slight variation, some lazy potters, they'll put it off a little bit, that's ah, good enough. But they'll get up to a certain height and that vessel starts to move. It starts to move and at some point it collapses and they can't do any fine work on it because it will not respond to his hand calmly. It will not respond to what he's doing. It starts doing its own thing. Maximizing shape and size depends on how centrally that piece of clay has been located. So if a um, potter wants to make a massive, massive pot, he makes sure that when he got, he's got the big walls out that any movement that he makes isn't going to cause the whole thing to move because it'll just start to crumble and fall because it's very soft. And the shapes, when he starts getting into thin shapes and, and shapes that are fine, he has to make sure that that 
what he's doing with his hands is exactly in the center and it's not moving anywhere beyond where he wants it. Next slide, please. That's what happens. That's my kind of pottery. <laughs> it looks so great and then one wrong move and it just collapses. It just, and you look at that pot and you say, oh yeah, that's going to sell for millions. <laughs> the most intricate vessels, the potter has to take that clay and stretch it. He's got to pull it dangerously thin on the border of falling apart. And if the clay is not centered and the speed is not set perfectly, the clay will just crumble. It'll collapse. And then he's got to re-knead it, re-consolidate re, um, it, and go through the same steps of centering and bringing it back up to where he needs it to be. Next slide, please. So there are other factors that a potter looks at or uh, the pot is uh, dependent on. The speed of the wheel, which I mentioned. When the potter does delicate things, he slows, slows the wheel. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but sometimes I'd, li I'd like God to hurry up, especially when times are tough. Would these times please go by? I've, I've had enough of being in this rut. But God needs to do some things his way and his timing. He needs to slow the wheel down. He needs to make sure that, that what he's doing in our lives is going to be done properly and it's not going to cause our life to cave in. The second one, if you've noticed, and you'll notice in the film or the little uh, the video at the end, how much water is used during the formation of this uh, pot or vessel. It's amazing. He keeps splashing water on it, splashing water. And at the end, you'll see he takes a sponge and he's sponging out water from inside because he's got so much water in there. And the last one we've already touched on, and probably the most important, to get a pot or a vessel that would be spoken of, that would be displayed for people to say, wow, look at that. It is dependent on the talent of the potter. It is. I am a novice at best, and my pots won't stand the test of anything. People say, oh, yeah, it looks like clay for sure. But beyond that, they're not going to pay much for it. But there are potters that make a living, and there are potters that you can see antique pottery that has been done is magnificent. And people will pay a lot of money for that pottery. It's got great value. Next slide, please. So, when we land on the wheel, and God starts centering our life, he starts pushing us this way or that way. What is our viewpoint? I don't know if you guys, uh, oh, you guys probably, I don't know what they play at at parks, but those roundabout things that uh, we as kids used to do, we used to have three or four kids that would sit on it and try and stay on that, uh, uh, what do you call that, merry-go-round, yeah, and then you'd have two or three bigger boys that would just move it as quickly as they possibly could, and slowly, slowly people would start flying off that merry-go-round because... You can't hold on for very long. And when you look this way on the merry-go-round, your head starts to spin and you start to panic. You're like, whoa, this is, looks scary. It looks dangerous. And I don't want to be here. And that's exactly how some of us feel at numerous points in our lives when God starts to form us and center us. Because we're looking at what's going on, we're like, does this make sense? Is this actually what I want? Is God in tune with what, who I am? Does he know what he's doing? What do we do? When God begins to center us and push us and spin us, we panic. We can jump off the wheel. We can. God will not force us or nail us down at any point. A pot can stop responding to God's hand. It can stop responding to what God is doing. Do we feel discomfort? Do we doubt? Next slide. 
when life gets tough, <clears throat> and I know that many of you, um, many of you have been through things in your life that, that aren't easy. They're not easy. And you will face things in your life that are not easy to face. There's one perspective that counts. Only one. It's the perspective from above. If I look off the wheel and I'm sitting on the edge of the wheel or in the center of the wheel and I'm looking aside, I get dizzy. But if I was to look straight up through the center of where I'm seated and I'm looking straight up, I see the hand of the man or, or the potter that is forming me. I can be at peace that he knows. He can see everything. He's not dizzy. He knows the whole concept of everything. He knows exactly, exactly what he's doing. Scripture tells us that we are, look, we are to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross instead, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. My hope is that you will learn to trust his skill. He's the creator. You imagine he said, let there be light, and light came up. Look at everything we see around us. That's his handiwork. That's his handiwork. He's the master potter. He's the master potter. Next slide, please. Why would you trust him? Why? We read in Scripture that God's will for us is good, acceptable, and perfect. That's what God's intention is for you. Satan will lie to you. He is the greatest liar. We heard uh, Brother Eric speak, and he twists things. He wants you to believe in a lie. He wants you to believe in a lie. He wants to believe that you're worthless, for one. He says, you're a lump of clay. What do you expect? He wants you to believe that, listen, because you cannot be shaped once or twice, God's going to give up on you, and really, he's doing you a favor. He says this to us all the time. I don't know about you. He says this to me all the time. You're not worthy. What? Are you kidding me? Look at all the people around you. They haven't done half the things you've done. Satan will lie to us every single time he can. But the truth, the truth is, the truth is that God sees in us value that he was willing to lay down his life for. He sees something that is beyond our comprehension. And he loves immeasurably. And his will for you, his desire for you, his intent for you is good, acceptable, and perfect. So if you were at the perspective of the potter from the top, and you knew exactly what God knows, you would say, oh, that's it. This is the place to be. This is the sweet spot. This is where I need to be. This is where greatness starts. What's God's good and perfect will for you? I wish we had that ability to text God and say, God, I got a question for you. You know, and we go, bloom, we get this ringtone, and God says, yep, actually, you're on track or you're not. But we don't, do we? It's not that easy. Because sometimes we face decisions in our lives like choosing a spouse, choosing a career, making a choice that will change the course of our life in large. And we have to make decisions. We have to make decisions. What is God's version? What is God's version? What is God's will for my life? There's a leap that we have to make, that God knows exactly what he's doing and that he does have a perfect will for me. There's something that he has in mind for my life and for what I'm meant to do that is amazing, something that I can't even see. 
If we're willing to go out on that limb and believe that God, who is the creator, has a plan for me, it opens a myriad of possibilities to trust God, no matter what's going on, to trust him. Your sweet spot is that spot where you need to be, where God can use your weaknesses, all your strengths, your physical build, your abilities, absolutely everything. He's custom-tailored your piece of clay to make something that's amazing, amazing. What would change in your life if you could find out God's will? If God could text you back and say, actually, this is where I want you to be. Think you would agree with it? Think you'd say, yeah, actually, yeah, I'm in. I can tell you a lot of times in our vision, if we were to know what God's end will is or the path that God's going to take us, we would say, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if that's the path I want to take. Next slide, please. So this is something that hits home with me. Remember when we looked at that lump of dirt and we said, God forbid I bring that in the kitchen. My wife, my wife will have my head because it has no value. <laughs> that dirt in the kitchen, are you kidding? None of us would pay anything for it, that's for sure. There was no value. The only person that saw value in that lump of dirt was the potter. That's it. Even as the clay was cleansed, it was clean. All the sticks were out, and it looked like this you know, kind of neat color. It was all uniform. It was a little bit prettier. But even still, it's just a lump of clay. Just a lump of clay. What sinks home for me is all the value and meaning and usefulness and purpose tied up in my life is all tied up in being in God's hand, conforming to the shape that he intends to make from me or in me. If I'm responsible for my own vessel, I'm going to remain a lump of clay. That's it. Just a lump of clay. So if you're worried about the shape or where God is leading you or what the end product is going to be, you've missed the point. God is the potter. He knows exactly what he's doing. To maximize what clay he's got in terms of shape, size, beauty, and purpose, you have to fully trust him. You have to fully trust him. You have to be at the center of the wheel, calm and collected and not moving in your own direction and responding to his hand. Next slide, please. What's your purpose? In most of the films, and most of the um, cartoons that we see with my daughter, they call it destiny. <laughs> As though there's some unwritten rule, <clears throat> apart from God, that we can fulfill. And there is no destiny apart from God's destiny. There's either hell or what God wants you to be. Only God knows your destiny. Only God knows the purpose for which you have been made. Only God. He custom made you for that purpose. Only God can mold you into that vessel. Only God can make that perfect vessel out of who you are. He's the master potter, and he wants to do it. Becoming an incredible vessel, something that God intended, is everything about a good God, an incredible artist who makes masterpieces every single time he sits down at the wheel. Because tomorrow we're going to talk about what that vessel is for, what that vessel is built for, what it's going to house, what he's going to display in it. If you trust and yield to his touch, keep your eyes centered on him and stay centered on his will for your life. If, because if you don't, he's limited to what he can make.
of your piece of clay. Next slide, please. Trusting the potter. I want to talk about trusting the potter. Being still, centered, and focused on him. Allowing the potter to create delicate, beautiful shapes and vessels of great worth. Next slide, please. So, I want to talk to you about something that's possibly at first glance unrelated. In Matthew 14, thir uh, 13 through 21, uh, actually all, all of the uh, Gospels talk about this specific event. And I'm going to recall it, recap it. Most of you know it. It's when Jesus fed the 5,000. Well, officially 5,000. Because uh, Scripture and, and historians say that, that at that point when they recorded numbers, they recorded men. And uh, more, more people uh, in terms of history will estimate this is probably the greatest crowd that Jesus ever fed. And it was estimated amongst more like 15,000 people in total rather than 5,000 with kids and family and wives. So the story goes as such. Jesus leaves in a boat after ministering and they're tired and they take the boat so nobody sees where they're going. And they go to a place in the wilderness because they think they're going to get a bit of rest. And people see where they're headed. They see along the banks that they're headed to that direction where they, where they sometimes go. And they started to follow them or meet them. And when they started to approach the shore, they realized there was no secret. Because the shore started to fill up with these people. And they knew exactly where they were coming. And when they got off the boat, Jesus had compassion on the people. And he began healing their sick and ministering to them. And uh, the day began to wear away is what scripture says and uh i think that's self-explanatory it began to wear away you know when the day wears away when you can't wait for it to end and you're tired and your legs hurt and it's just like come on the day's got to end already and the apostles are all standing in there like you know we've we've had enough we we're in the boat all day we probably haven't eaten anything and uh they come to jesus and they say jesus uh, we should probably let these people go the day is getting dark already soon and, and they need something to eat and jesus confronts them, and he says, you give them something to eat. And uh, I am sure that they had a conversation. They said, I, I give them something to eat? One of the apostles says, I could work an entire year, and my wages wouldn't be enough to make one meal for these people. Give them, where am I going to get what they need to eat? And there was a guy named Andrew, one of the apostles, and he found this boy with two fish and five bread, and he said, hey, we have two fish and five bread. And all the other apostles, is what, <laughs> Andrew, are you sure you're hearing yourself? Two fish? Look, 15,000 people. They're all going to get a small smell of this fish and a little bit a crumb of this bread. How can, we, how can we feed? It's impossible. It's ridiculous. And to their amazement, Jesus calls them and tells them to bring that two fish and five loaves of bread. And it's written that he breaks the bread and the fish and he gives each of them a piece. I'm not a mathematician, but two fish and five loaves of bread divided by 12 doesn't give you big pieces, no matter how big these are. This is a boy's lunch, so they couldn't be big pieces. And Jesus says, go. I, I don't know about you. If God has ever placed you in a, in a position in your life where he says, I want you to do this, and you're like, how? That's totally not me. I, are you kidding? Feed 15,000 people? Me? I just got off the boat myself. I didn't bring anything with me. Like, I, I'm not prepared for this. 
But Jesus asked them to do, he told them, they heard the voice of God and they had to make a decision. I can imagine how they readied themselves to approach this group. They, they sat themselves in groups of 50. And as they grabbed that little piece, and I, I envision that they took a basket, because after it's written that they started collecting things in baskets. They probably hid that little piece of fish and little piece of bread in the basket, so nobody saw them with their ridiculous amount of food going around to try and feed all these people. And as they walked to the first crowd, they thought, wow, let's divide this. Maybe we can make it last for this first group of 50. I'm going to tell them to take one small pinch, one small pinch of this. Let's make it last as far as we can. And to their amazement, the first person grabs the piece of fish, grabs a piece of bread, and in its place there's another, and another, and another, and another, over and over and over and over and over again. And in disbelief, they're looking at this small piece of bread and small piece of fish, and they're saying, this is not, this is not real, is it? Every single time they gave that piece of fish away, every single time that piece of bread away, it returned. And it's written that after they had fed absolutely everybody, everybody had their fill. They went around with these same baskets and they collected 12 baskets full of pieces of fish and bread. <clears throat> now I want to ask you something. Listening to God's voice and trusting God opens a possibility that doesn't even enter our minds of what God can do by hearing his voice and following what he wants us to do. Not only in our own lives, but in the lives that surround us. It's written that everybody, every one of those 15,000 or however many there were, ate their fill from two fish and five bread. If I was to come to you and say, hey, I have a great job for you guys. Here's the job description. You're to feed this many people with this much food. You'd say, thank you very much. I'd like to keep my resume clean of that. I don't want that job. I do not want that job because I'm going to fail. The difference between that and listening to God's voice is we know who God is. We know who God is and what he's capable of, at least to the degree we know. But the more we trust, the more God opens who he is and what he wants to do in your life. He says, listen, if you would just listen, I made the heavens. I made everything. For me to do, come on. Are you kidding me? Bread and fish? I want you to believe. I want you to see that from that little bit that you do have, I can make things happen. I can change the world. God pushes us out of our comfort zones and challenges us to think differently. To think of the possibilities of what God can do. To repent, which means to change our thinking, to change our mind, and conform to his perspective. And when we do, God's able to do amazing things in us and through us. Next slide, please. So, points of reflection. Believing in Jesus and obeying his voice, trusting him, unleashed the impossible and the magnificent. That's the key to allowing God to do something in your life that makes a difference. That's like these people that we heard of, like the David of his generation, like the Joseph of his generation, like the Esther of her generation, like Daniel and his friends. There were very few of them, but they were able to step out and say, no matter what, I'm going to listen to what he says. And God comes through. God is faithful all the time, all the time. And it's amazing that if those the, uh, apostles decided to bolt for the brushes with their little piece of bread, and their little piece of fish, they're like, forget all of you. I got a little bit. At least I'm going to get something. That's all they would get. That's all they would get, that little piece of fish and that little piece of bread. What's written afterwards, those 
baskets were filled and there were 12 of them. There were 12 apostles and for every one of their little pieces of bread and little pieces of fresh uh, fish, they got a basket full. When we trust God, we trust him and say, God, I don't know how, but I'm going to believe and I'm going to trust and I'm going to listen to what you're saying. God not only multiplies for those around us, but he multiplies in our own life. He blesses us beyond measure. Beyond measure. To let you know, you know what? Finally, you get it. I am the author of everything. I give you absolutely everything. That stack of million dollars or thousand dollar bills, that's what it takes for God. That's it. That's it. So the value that you've placed in whatever you've placed it in, if you could just see that God is the author of absolutely everything, and you can be on his wheel, centered in his hand, and he can be making something of you that he wants to use, there is no greater place to be. Absolutely no greater place to be. Oh, what did I miss? Who was the vessel and who was the source? Who was the vessel and who was the source? I don't think many of them bragged afterwards. Yo, did you see us? Oh, how we multiplied the bread. Or how we... I think they're embarrassed to this day saying that, you know what, the thoughts that went through our head when we carried that basket, but Jesus said it. We've seen him do it before. How important is it for the source of everything to be God and for us to be ready to be the vessel? More than we could possibly imagine or possibly do ourselves, God will do through us if we're in his hand, if we trust and obey. Next slide, please. So, now, a lot of times we think, and we've heard this more than, than once, that we need to serve God. We want to serve God. We want to somehow repay in our life. We want to repay God for the goodness and, and the love that he showed us in Christ Jesus. But God calls us to serve each other. That piece of bread and that piece of fish was not destined for Jesus. Jesus took it, broke it, and had the vessels, those disciples, take it and feed those people that were near them. First Peter says, 4, 10, and 11, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another, as good stewards of God's varied grace. If anyone serves, he should serve with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Who do I serve? Who's my target? Jesus, they asked Jesus, he says, Who, who's, who's my neighbor? And he calls them to love their neighbor and serve their neighbor. And who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? We don't have to go very far to find our neighbor. And I'll tell you that our neighbor is not necessarily our neighbor that lives next door that we don't know. Our neighbor is those people we know best. It's people we know best. We know all their weaknesses. They're our family, our people that we work with our brothers and sisters, our church, people at church, in our community, those are our neighbors. That's where it's hardest often, hardest often to serve. But that's where God calls us to serve first. Because that's the training grounds. <laughs> that is the training grounds for service. If you can serve there, you can serve absolutely anywhere. We're going to talk tomorrow about what God fills that vessel with. He wants his spirit to fill that vessel.
He wants to live in it. He wants, that's the temple. That's where he wants to be. And I'm sure that God will build a house that's worthy of his name. That vessel will be something to be spoken of. People will see that vessel and what it can do, and they'll say, wow, that's an amazing vessel. Let God use you to pour out his spirit and his life on those that surround you. Scripture tells us that faith in a believer has an amazing, an amazing effect. It says, whoever believes in me, Jesus says, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So a river, normally we're at a river this time of year. The camp last year we were at a river, and uh, I think we talked about this uh, in some point. That river never stops. It just keeps flowing and flowing and flowing. I can take my vessel or my bucket, and I can go anytime. I can fill it up, go and dump it somewhere, go back, and I can fill it up, and I can fill it up and fill it up. As long as I'm ready to go and dump it somewhere, I can go and refill it. The Bible likens what God does in our heart as a river of living water. And that river of living water isn't designed just for us. It's designed to be shared with those around us, to bring life to that which surrounds us. The life that God gives us, he wants to pour out. He wants to pour out on everybody that surrounds you. He wants them to see who God is and the beauty of his workmanship. Next slide, please. So it's my prayer that God would equip you with every good that you may do his will. So that working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. When we live in this way, God is glorified. We make the potter happy. We please God by living this way. And we benefit immensely. We benefit immensely if we're going to look at it from that perspective. But God gets the glory. He gets the glory. And our desire is that he would use us for his glory. That is the greatest place we can be. That is our sweet spot in life. And just to recap, if the word of God lives in us, it lives in us, and we're able to hear God's voice, God will guide us to cleanse our clay, cleanse our lives so that we can land on the wheel. And so that God can start forming us into the man or woman of God that he wants to see us. But when we land on that wheel, it is absolutely necessary that the word of God continues to water us. That's a good squeak, hey? <laughs> continues to water us. And we'll see the video that will come. Is this the last slide? Yeah. The video that will come next. He will continue to water us. And continue to use water to permeate everything so it's soft and malleable. But what I wanted you to take home today is that if you would center your view on Christ and trust, not only trust God as God, but you would recognize his voice and say, God, whatever you say, whatever, I've seen you do it before, and I want, buckle me in, I want to go for this ride. Because where God will take you, you will never go alone. Can you imagine the apostles after Jesus had died, sitting over or near a campfire, remembering that event. Do you remember? You remember what we talked about, how we thought, what Jesus did? Had nothing to do with us. Absolutely nothing to do with me, with you. When Jesus does something and we obey, amazing things happen. How many of you want to be that type of vessel? 
How many of you want to be filled with what God fills and watch how God works and be able to pass what God gives to you onto other people? I'm in there all day long. Two hands up. Because when God starts using you, something happens in your life. You lose the taste for everything that surrounds you, everything that has value of it. It no longer has value. Because being in God's hands is probably the most satisfaction a man can have. That's probably the best place and the best feeling after you've lived your life to say, when I was young, God used me to conquer giants. God used me to show his glory. Top that. No amount of money, no amount of achievements, no amount of anything will ever, ever top that. We sung a song that said 10,000 years. I don't know all the words. But as a song, can you imagine? As Christians believers, people that are waiting for heaven, waiting for the glory that awaits. We can say, see in a thousand years. See in a thousand years. That's not something anybody can say. Not here anyway. But as a believer in God, we can say, we haven't seen anything yet. Wait till we get to heaven. Wait till we see our Savior. Wait till everything opens up and we actually see what we were part of and what God was doing. It will blow our minds and we will praise God for all eternity. Andrew, if you could start that video. Now, this video is something that will summarize everything we've talked about. <clears throat> and I want you to just prayerfully watch as this guy, he's going to make a bowl, and he's going to make a couple lids. And I want you to see all of the things that we've talked about. And I want you to just sort of digest them through your mind and, and, and uh, let God speak to you as, as you watch what he's doing. Oh, he's working fast this way. Double speed. It's actually eight minutes long, but we're going to See if we can do it fast. See how quickly he centered it? Just bang, he did it. Now remember this shape. If you watched in any freeze frame, you're like, what is, does he know what he's doing? Does he know what he's doing? That doesn't look anything like a pot. Like, well, now it's starting to look like a pot. Look how much water he's using. how he carefully molds on the inside and the outside. Now, sometimes God will take us to places in our lives and he'll start pushing us out of our comfort zone. He will. He'll say, this is where you need to change. You need to mold this way or that way. Like, that's totally not me, God. That's not the way I work. That's not what I do. And he'll reach in and he'll start pushing gently on both sides and he'll start thinning that area so it becomes less of us and more of the form that he wants to see. And sometimes we look and we say, wait a second, what are all those ripples? What, what is God doing? Is, does he know what he's doing? How am I going to get married looking like this? <laughs> this does not look what marriage material, right? How is anybody ever going to hire me? I'm doing these things that don't count for anything. <clears throat> and God starts forming and moving us. He starts doing things that don't make sense to us. And if we start looking to the side, we start this fan, 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 or something else, we start to panic because we see everything around us moving. We're like, everybody's moving except for me. I'm dizzy. That's it. But if we're able to look up and see the eye of the potter, and I believe that uh, as children of God, we can hear the voice of God at any point. God wants to tell us. He wants to reassure us. He wants to tell us what he wants for us and what he's doing. He won't always be very clear, but he always comforts us saying, you know what? Just trust me. Trust me. I'm the potter. What I'm going to do is going to be amazing. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. If you want to be who you want to be, if you want to be a man after God's own heart, 
you have to trust me fully. And as he starts shaping, he starts moving, he starts taking form. And he knows just how much the clay will take. He doesn't push too hard. I remember when I was trying this, as soon as you start pulling up at the top and you go too thin, it just goes whoop, and the top goes over and flops over, and it can fling off somewhere because depending on how quickly your, your wheel is turning. But he knows exactly when to touch the top. He knows exactly how to make that billow. He doesn't use any tools in this one, but if you watch some other videos, they have plastic uh, instruments that they use to smooth things out, to thin things out evenly. And he doesn't waste very mo many movements. He, he uses fingers on both sides, applying pressure from all sides carefully, carefully molding and moving that clay where he wants to see it. Now, I talked a little bit about <clears throat> being in the hand of the potter was a sweet spot. I don't know how many of you drink coffee. Probably most of you. If you've been to university, you drink coffee. <laughs> but I have this mug. It's a clay mug. It's my favorite mug. I think the coffee tastes better in that mug. It just does. The way the lip is formed at the top is just perfect. The handle is perfect. Every time I want to get a coffee in the morning, that time when I take my Bible and I, I spend the time, every time I look to pour coffee, I look for that mug. I'm like, that's the mug that I love. That's the mug I love to use. We've got 50 mugs in there, and that's the one I always search for. If it's dirty, I'll wash it, and I'll use that mug. That's the type of vessel I want to be for God. When God wants to do something, he says, where's that guy? Where's that guy who responds to everything I do? He wants to do what I want to do. Our wills collide, and he knows what I want. He can feel it. That's the mug I want to use. That brings me pleasure. That's something that is that just feels right, and it brings me happiness and joy. Now what he's doing, he's making a lid. So you can imagine what the pot's thinking. It's like, what? Are you serious? You're done with me? I'm not done. I'm not even off the little wheel thing. You're putting me on the side. And what are you making instead of me? Some little flying saucer thing. Like, <laughs> it's not fair. It's not fair. Why, why are you done with me? Why? But that pot has to settle. That pot has to settle and wait. And it has to be part of the whole, whole program that the potter has envisioned. So that's the backup lid in case that one doesn't work. So he's going to make another one. That's what he says in his funny Scottish accent. So I'm just going to make another one just in case, just in case. I don't think that's the way God works, but in any case, that's part of the video. I didn't know how to get it out of there. <clears throat> so he's going to make a little bit of an, I guess, an Asian-style cap here, just a little bit different. This is in, in double speed, right? So it's not actually this fast. That wheel is actually turning a lot slower than, than uh, yeah. It's just eight minutes long. It's a bit long. So now what he does is he pulls the clay off and he lets it settle. He needs it to dry up. This is the next day, and the pot is, is dry-ish, but he's, when he talks, he says, it's actually kind of still wet to do the things I want to do. And he starts scraping. He starts smoothing. He starts doing things, and the pot can think, wait a second, I'm, I'm done already. I thought you were done with you know, all this moving and scraping and, and, and pushing. And the potter's like, no, not quite yet. There's a little bit extra here, and there's a little bit that I need to remove here, and there's some little bit of forming that I need to do here. Oh, I'm going to scratch you too, by the way. 
He starts to add little details and things that he's seen. Now he's wetting the clay and softening it a little bit so that he can do a little bit of a, a design on it. So just in case you want to copy him, that's what he's using. <laughs> so he's got one chance at this, one chance to make it look good. It's pretty simple compared to the, some of them that, that they make are just, they're spectacular. So off it goes again. God, I thought you were done already. Now, now what's going on? What, am I going to stand here forever? That lid again. Look how small it is compared to me. I'm worth way more than that lid. There's a lot of things that cross our mind when we see God doing things, and he does things differently than what we'd imagine. But if we would just say, you know what, God, I'm willing to wait as long as it takes, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to stay on that wheel, stay focused on you and trust you. And while you're silent and I can't hear exactly what you want me to do, I'm going to wait, and I'm going to do what I can, serving my neighbor right beside me, doing what I can to fulfill your will. What he's doing is he's got the measurement of the, the width of the cap, and he's got to carve it down so it fits in the, uh, in the pot. <clears throat> you have to test it before he shows you. So what takes a lifetime, our lifetime, because we're slow and ignorant and stubborn, this guy did in eight minutes. <clears throat> and that's no small thing. You guys are in your 20s, some of you are nearing 30, some of you are in your teens. If you would give your heart to God and you would trust him and say, God, I'm going to keep my eyes on you. I'm going to trust you, your perfect will for me. That's where I want to be. I want to be in that sweet spot. In record time, God can bring you to a point of a David, of a Daniel, and use you to change your generation. That's real. That's how powerful this stuff is. The vast majority of us, the vast majority of us will come, become mediocre at best. But it's not anybody's fault but our own. To be used by God means all in. All in. God, whatever you want. And whenever something takes us out of our balance we're like god you know what i'm gonna trust you i know you know what you're doing my prayer for us today is that among us among us god would raise up daniels and davids and esters people that would become vessels that were amazing that would change generations that would change the way people around them think that would be willing to do whatever whatever God wants them to do, whenever God wants them to do it, to be in the hand, that favorite mug of God, to be used over and over and over and over again to pour out God's will, God's blessing, God's power on those that surround them. We've heard so much today. We've heard so much. My hope is that something has struck because <clears throat> we hear the same message over and over and over again. It's like we push all these quarters in the coke machine and they never actually drop. Something has to shake, something has to change and all of a sudden that coke machine moves and all the coins drop and the coke starts falling out. Something happens in our life, something has to happen in our life where we say, aha, I get it, I get it. I can trust God, I can trust him. 
I can trust him. He knows exactly what I need. He knows exactly where I'm going. And that's where I want to be. That will change the way we think. It will change the way we make decisions. It will change the way we live our lives. And that will enable God to form us into what he wants us. And fill us with his spirit. Fill, him, fill us with himself. And make us usable. Usable and powerful for his glory. For his glory. I don't know of a better sales pitch out there. To be in the hand of God for eternity. To be joined with God. Know his will and do his will. But the choice is ultimately ours. And most people choose to do what they want. They do. And I'm speaking for myself. We do it. We have to turn. We have to turn to the voice of God and say, God, you're speaking to me no matter through whom. I want to hear your voice. And if it's your voice, I will follow. I will follow. Because I know who you are and I trust your voice. May the Lord take the words and the ideas that I've been able to somehow magically <laughs> tell you. May he take them and multiply them in your lives. So that that little bit that I've been able to show you, that little piece of fish and little bread, would multiply in your life and bring forth fruit that would change the world. Literally. Change your world and those people around you. Our God is amazing. And he loves to do amazing things. Amazing things. And if we think about <clears throat> his vision and his purpose for us, his perfect will for us is to be with us, in us, beside us, around us, and then have us with him in heaven. If there's a better spot to be, shout it out. I don't think there's a better place to be. To be in the presence of God be in his will, be used by him, and see the amazing things that God can do through you, though it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you. Remembering that I was that once lump of clay full of sticks and rocks and sand, and God molded me into this. Into this? Are you kidding me? And he filled me with this. Are you kidding me? He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. And he's worth serving. He's worth dedicating our lives and saying no to everything else and saying, yes, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you will lead me. I will do what you will want me to and I will respond to your voice. I will do and follow where you want me to go. I want to be used by you. I want to be a vessel for you, no matter what it takes. I hope that what God has said in my heart has resonated in your heart today. That God has spoken to you and Maybe some of you <clears throat> have been making decisions and you need some support in prayer. You need, you need to talk to somebody or you need to pray with somebody. We have people here. Some of you have already um, spoken to them. Some, they're always, always ready. So if you have something on your heart that you need to speak to somebody about or pray with somebody about, don't wait. Find them. You can see them. They are up here all the time. Any one of them will sit down with you. Any one of them will sit down with you. Pray with you and ask God to do his work in your heart. I want to pray with you guys. I want to pray that God would cement whatever we've heard in into your lives. So it would become a new foundation for the way you live your life when you go home. When you start making decisions, when you start in the panic and that circle of life, you can remember that as long as I keep my eyes fixed 
on the potter, on the guy who knows everything, and he makes beautiful things. Everything will be according to purpose and according to plan. And that's a joy that transcends all understanding. It doesn't make any sense. Even when things are wobbling out of control and things are falling apart, we know who is in control. It's an amazing, an amazing truth. No matter how many times we fall, no matter what's going on in our lives, God is in control. He's in control. And that's a great thing to take away from tonight. Let's pray. Let's kneel and pray. Слава Господу. Ай. You're looking something resonated with me. I hope something resonated with you. I think the moments in my life where change occurs in my life is when I see God revealing something about me. So I want to reveal something. Um, I, I'm like one of the things that resonates with me about that whole vessel thing is in order to become something that God wants for you, in order to become something that God wills for you, something must occur inside you. Something must occur inside you. What must occur? Something you must do. We some, so many times, I, in my struggles in my life, I remember when I was younger, I would continually stumble and fall and stumble and fall. And I'd be like, I don't get this. I don't understand how this works. And I'll tell you something, I get it now. And what the reason why I get it is because something's occurred to me that has allowed me to become something that God has willed for me. What has occurred in me? What occurred in me? And I want you to listen to this. So I wish that you would allow it to occur in you. This thing that is transforming me even now. This vessel that is being created doesn't stop. It doesn't just all of a sudden form and you're used and it's amazing. It continues to change and you continue to glorify God in the process. But something must happen to you in order for that to happen. For me, the answer is something that Gr Brother Greg said is God will not conform to your expectations. He will not. We put God in these boundaries. I, when I was younger, a Christian, a believer, put God in a box, and I would test him. God, if this is your will, this must happen. Answer me the question that I have proposed to you. If this is in your will, this must happen. Answer me. And if it does not, I'm going to do this. It's very interesting a Christian believer puts these boundaries and guidelines and criteria that the Almighty God that formed this vessel 
the vessel is putting criteria in order to validate his existence to me. Have you ever done that? God, answer this for me. And if you don't, it's amazing that we do that. The other thing that resonates with me is what God's done after I've gone through this process and continually failed and not received the answer and blamed God because I don't see the results. God, I don't see the results in my life. I don't see this promise of change in my life. I don't see me standing and being a testimony to who you are, although I projected that testimony of what God is. God, I'm a Christian. Do you project the testimony of God, but then demand and put him in the box and try and get him to validate his existence to you. I want you to think about that carefully. The thing that changed everything in my life or is continually changing my life is something that this vessel or this clay has to do. It has to become vulnerable. You must approach God vulnerable. You must step out of your comfort zone in order to be affected by Him, changed forever by Him, and you will never stop changing when you do that. Never. This vessel and this wheel will continue to spin until you see him in the end. And the perfection will continue to the end. And in the process of him spinning that wheel and shaping you into what he wants, you must give up your will and ask him to shape you the way he wants, not what you want. I wanted to be certain things and I wanted God to use me in certain ways and he would not. And then God called me to something that is outside of my comfort zone. And I said, no, I cannot. Lord, I cannot go and become what you want. I can't. I want to be this. God's not going to conform he is God. But He loves you and He wants to change you into perfection. And what you will for your life and you want God to change you into the thing that you want is not the perfection. You must give up this image of what you must become in the presence of God. You must submit and give up your will, and I'm going to say it again, make yourself vulnerable. What does that mean? It means putting yourself at risk. You're going to hurt going through the process of being formed. I hurt 
as he's forming me and shaping me, I don't like it because I'm outside of my comfort zone. Do you know where my comfort zone is? Right there. Not here. I'm going to tell you something. That's where I was sitting last night. I waited for somebody to fill a position that I am not comfortable with. I don't want what God wants for my life. And when I feel comfortable, I hide. Do you hide from God and what he wants for your life? Are you hiding? He sees you. He loves you. He gave up everything for you. And he'll continually call you until you submit and make yourself vulnerable. This thing, the device I talked about last night, somebody approached me and asked, did you prepare that? What you said? It was powerful. I'm going to tell you a secret. I did not want to come out. Somebody gave me a sign and said, come down from that place where I was hiding and stand right here. I submitted and I had nothing prepared. Did it touch you? Did it affect you? Was it powerful? It's not me. I'm up, up there, hiding. I don't want to be here. I can't handle this position in my life. God's calling you to make perfection in order for you to affect everything around you. If this affects you, it's because I'm outside of my comfort zone. Do you want to be effective? For the Lord, eternally changing until we see him in the end. That's my question to you tonight. On the wheel, outside of our comfort zone, and letting him do something that I don't want, that you may not want in your lives. Will you allow him to do that? America, I use that, is changing because they refuse to submit to the Lord. They don't want it. They don't want him because the things he wills for America is outside of their comfort zone. And what do they do? They hide. Where do you hide? I'm going to ask you that. And the place that you hide is not where God is. You will not find him there. You will never find him. And you will continually try and validate that he is God. He's not going to validate that and you will eventually one day and Satan will keep you there and continually ask you to validate that God is real. I'm going to tell you something. As soon as I stopped demanding that the Lord validate that he is God and submitted and made myself vulnerable, I not try I never try I have difficulty here. This is why I struggle. But I see God's work in my life and it's a miracle what's occurring in my life and I wish that for every single one of you if I could only take a picture of what I was and reveal openly what was my life as a Christian 
and show you the reality of what's inside me now, it's night and day difference. I no longer project what I think I should project in your midst. Yes, I am still, I still don't want to be here. I still want to sit up there. I still want to hide. But if you can submit and make yourself vulnerable and step out, I'm going to ask you to step out from your safe hiding place. Why do you see so many people? I don't have a cell phone. Give me a cell phone. Why do you think so many kids are here? To hide. This is your safe place. Do you know why? As soon as you put it down, you're vulnerable. It's a weapon. And I know so many people talk to you about technology, but anything that can distance you from this position in your walk before Christ, of making yourself vulnerable and submitting to the wheel, you will never find him. If you can continually hide and project what it is to be a Christian, if you will not find the reality of what Christ came for to make you into something that changes everything around you. I am seeing the change consistently around me and it doesn't stop. Consistently. I could start listing things. People say, I don't see God. I don't see him. Where are the miracles? I'm telling you, I see the miracles now. It's happening now. Even in this camp, I'm going to tell you, miracles. And what is stopping you from seeing things that God's doing around you? I'm going to ask you that. I know you want me to say what those miracles are. But I want you to ask yourself this question. When you walk as a Christian, and you continue, if you continually try and get God to validate, I want to read a spot. It's going to be John. Is it okay if I hold you up a few minutes? It's a spot that impacted me, and I read it every now and then with the youth, and it continues to have the power that it had the first time I read it. John, chapter 10. There was people that approached Jesus People approaching Jesus, and they demanded something from him. And what they demanded of him is to validate. Validate that you are the Son of God. Could he have? Could he have done the miracle? Could he have brought down fire from heaven? Could he have moved or stopped the sun? He could. But he didn't. So the interesting thing is what he answers. And this is my answer that has impacted my life and still impacts my life. Very powerful. And I hope it has enough power for you. You've heard this many times. Listen to these words and let them see deep into your heart. Verse 27. 
Matthew or John 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. And what? What's the next? I know them. And they follow me. Sheep that do not know their shepherd do not survive. Sheep that do not trust their shepherd that he knows what to do with them, they don't exist. Sheep that do not want to follow, that do not know his voice, don't know where to go. I'm going to ask you tonight, do you know his voice? Can you hear him? Really hear him. I mean, going walking in your life, going through difficulty and going, God, I don't know. And he answers. God, what should I do? And he leads you. God, I need help. And he helps you. Are you having that kind of reality walk with Christ? Is it real? And I'm going to tell you something tonight. It is absolutely real because you're looking at somebody that is affected by it in reality. Changed and continually changing. And I wish that for you. I'm going to read you another verse. I am in my weak state. This is my weakness. I do not. So I'm going to read you a verse. And I've read this before with my youth, and it's a power spot to me. Second Corinthians. This is going to be the last verse I read, and we're going to pray. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You know this spot. First Corinthians chapter 12, 12, verse 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength, whose strength, God's strength, is made Perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities and for me, in my outside of my comfort zone, in a place where I don't, I, I, I don't, that the power, here it is, do you not want the power of Christ? Pouring out of you, changing things around you, Affecting each other when you fellowship. The reality of what it actually is. Don't you want it? And what is the cost of it? That you step out outside of your comfort zone. I'm going to challenge you tonight. If you have not stepped out, that means check yourself. What is it? Submit. Allow God to move you into a place you would never go. You don't want to go. And he will show you where that place is if you submit and become vulnerable. I'm going to ask you to become vulnerable tonight. Do something. Even coming up or asking somebody to pray with you or revealing what's inside your heart is something that changes your life forever. The reason why is because you're opening yourself up. You're making yourself vulnerable. I've seen it happen in my life. It'll happen in your life. Really, a real life changing forever. And you will not stop changing. Don't you want that? I want that for you. 
Let's stand and pray. And I'm going to ask you if anybody look at your, yourselves and your hearts and ask yourself where you walk. Are you projecting Christ if you are? And you're not in that vulnerable place in your life. And you want to be, for God to basically take you, change you, shape you into something that you may not want lead you into directions where you may not want to go. If you want that and to be changed forever, you have to submit. Service is submission. You cannot serve if you don't give in and you don't let go of yourself. He will not change a vessel that's continually demanding something. He'll change someone that's submitted. Do you want to be changed or do you want to exist in that? And I existed for a long time, disabled, but with the right label. If you want to be that, let's pray tonight. We're going to actually ask the Lord to change you, to impact you. But I want you to make yourself vulnerable. Can you do that? Do you want to do that? Does anybody want that? If you want that, I want you to raise your hand and say, you're going to make yourself vulnerable when you're raising your hand. People are going to see it. A lot of people ask you, close your eyes. Close your eyes and then say it. That's what they say. I'm asking you to keep your eyes open. And if you want the Lord to change your life, yes, you may be a Christian. I was a Christian for a long time in my comfort zone. If you want to be outside of your comfort zone and walk with Jesus and be empowered so that through your weakness and outside of your comfort zone, He will shake the things around you and change the things around you. Don't you want that? If you raise your hand, come up here, please. Please. Make yourself more vulnerable. I'm going to ask the leaders, please come up. Please, Dennis, you're making yourself vulnerable. It means that you are submitting and you're revealing some reality about your life. In every miracle that Christ ever did, people came out vulnerable. They revealed something. You're revealing something. It's okay. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. That's why I'm here. I'm making myself vulnerable because, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. I'm changing here. I am changing. And I want you to change too. We're going to pray. We're going to ask the leaders to come up and pray with us. Just like the Lord speaks through, pass something on from Adam to Eve, He can also pass on blessing from men submitted and through people standing up here and praying for you. He will bless you. Okay? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that this youth, the ones that have stepped up here tonight, 
are willing to step outside of their comfort zone and reach out to you. Lord Jesus, they have the desire to be empowered by you through their weakness. Empower them, Jesus, tonight. I want you to fill them with your Holy Spirit, with your power. Put your hand upon them, Jesus. Put your hand upon them, for you are here tonight. You exist. You are real. And I know you're real, Jesus, because look where I am. You've changed my life. I want you to change them as you have changed me, Jesus. Oh, Slava Tibega Spot. Praise you, Jesus. For in you is all power, all glory. Pour down your power on these vessels. Allow them to submit themselves to your hands, your scarred hands. Let them see your scars. Some of them ask and they demand, Lord Jesus, forgive us when we demand you to conform. Forgive me, Jesus, when I demanded that you conform to my will. Oh, Lord Jesus, forgive us that the vessels turn to you and demand something from you. Let us ask you, Jesus. Let us give to you tonight. Let us submit everything tonight. We want you to reach out your hand and touch every heart here tonight that has made itself vulnerable. I want you to fire them, shape them, and not stop changing them till the end. We'll let us allow ourselves to be vulnerable to the end. It's going to be a painful process, Jesus. I want it. I want to accept it. And I'm willing to accept it, Jesus, so you can transform me into what you want. Not what I want. Because I don't know what you want of me. And I know through only your hand and what you do with me, your name will be glorified. I want your name to be glorified through me, Jesus. Glorify your name through every vessel that has made itself vulnerable tonight. Do not stop. I want you to fill them with your living water, Jesus. And as I leave here, this camp, I want you to see deep, deep your truth into their hearts. Oh, Lord Jesus, it's only you. It's only you that can do it. Look, I've tried so many times in my life and nothing occurred, but when I finally submitted, a miracle happened. Let this miracle happen with this youth, with these that step forward, with these that are willing to step out from behind that hiding place. Let them step out and stay out. Let them step out and make themselves vulnerable forever. Not be ashamed, not be afraid because you were there with them. And when you ask them to step out, Jesus, as you begin to form them and transform them, Jesus, and you call them to a difficult walk, let them know that you're right there beside them, that you've never left them, that in those difficult moments, your hand is right there. Oh, Jesus, call us out, every single one of them that has made the decision to make themselves vulnerable.
to step out from that hiding place and change them as you've changed me, Jesus. Don't stop. Let this not just be a moment, not just a moment where they stay, they say, and they leave, and nothing changes. I want you to have stepped forward tonight. Know that Jesus is right here beside you and make this promise to him. Jesus, I want you to repeat this. Lord Jesus, you are my Savior. You sacrificed everything for me. I see you on the cross taking my sins and relieving me of them. The burden of it. And now I stand free. And the purpose of my life is to glorify your name. And it may be in the difficult places of my life. But I accept these difficult places. Lead me into those hard places, Lord. Because I know I will be transformed. Take me down your path, Jesus. Let me always know you are with me. Because your truth reveals you are with me. And all of us together say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, everyone that came up. May his name be glorified. Brother Greg kind of said, before everything ended, if any, any one of you wants to have a chat, wants to pray together, I would love to pray with you. I'm going to tell you one more secret. One more secret. My wife, she continually tells me, stop making yourself vulnerable. I'm sorry. <laughs> One more secret. I was called into this position. It was very difficult, and I was the one of the ones that said no. I'm one of the ones that said no. I was one of the ones that said, I can't do it. I'm one of the ones that says, Somebody else needs to fill this position. God's going to call you into a place where you will not fit in that bracket. He's not going to call you into an easy place. Do you remember he said, the path that I walked, think about the path that Jesus walked for you. Who's going to walk it? We will. You will. And you should be, have joy doing it. Do you know why? As you walk down that path and you see the things changing, he'll be glorified and you will look at yourself and you will not recognize what you have become. You will not recognize what you will become. I am not recognizing what I am becoming. I'm telling you the truth from my heart. I want that for you. And when you look upon yourself, something you cannot recognize because his hand is doing it. Not you. I've tried to change myself, and I could not. I could not. I tried so many times fighting 
stopping, trying to conform, so difficult. Once you stop fighting and you submit and make yourself vulnerable and allowing him to lead you into that difficult place, you're going to begin a journey. You'll never see yourself the same again. It's real. It's going to take time. We want it to happen now. I demanded it from God. Jesus, I read it. It didn't happen. It's happening now. It's going to happen in your life. You that, you that step forward. Every day you get up. Brother Simon said, it's a daily thing. I do it daily. What am I doing? I'm submitting daily. I'm making myself vulnerable daily. So here's the secret. With our youth, we're doing these little sessions. I do, I don't know. I think the Lord opened it. That when somebody, God puts somebody on my heart, it just comes up and I have an opportunity where I ask them, do you want to have a chat with me? I don't want to do it. The real me, who I was, I would run from it as far as I could and hide in my hiding place and hide in this little quiet place where nobody can see me and that's where I want to be. But I'll tell you something, when God asked me to do it and I'm starting and it's still continuing, it's a slow process and I'll get to the ones that I haven't yet spoken with. It's changing my life. I expect God to change them and it's changing me transforming me and it affects them it's amazing to me what god reveals and what god does and it's that's what he wants for you everywhere you go everywhere that you're vulnerable not trying to project something that you're not everything is transformed remember i told read the scripture i in a jeremiah he basically god took him up on this mountain and he said i'm gonna pass by and everything around was being transformed, bending, earthquake, fire, wind. You'd look and you'd be like, oh, the power of God. But in those moments, it keeps saying, he's not in that. He's not in that. He's not in that. He's in this vulnerable, quiet whisper. Whisper. Can you hear his voice? And the power of God is there. But yet we're waiting for these glorious. I kept waiting. God, prove it. It's not there. I'm going to tell you where it is right now. It's right here in me. The power of God is in me. Look at this. And it can be in you. And you will never be the same. Okay. Thank you. Praise the, Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, I'm going to pull. Where's Brother Serge? Brother Serge, where are you? Can I steal your thunder this moment? God is good? All the time. All the time? God is good. Thank you.